everyone, and welcome to the Damn Fine TV podcast, Weekly Watch. I'm your host, Jasmine, writer and TV enthusiast. And this week on the show, I'm joined by the amazing Mel's Bells to discuss American Horror Story 1984, Episode 9, Final Girl. That's it, you guys. That's a wrap. Another season of American Horror Story has come and gone. And while I'm a little sad to say goodbye, the 80s can live on in our hearts, wardrobes, and playlists forever. And I think we'd make Montana and Trevor proud by doing so. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show, everybody. As I kind of mentioned last week, I'm not going to do a This Week in TV for this episode, especially now that I'm getting it out so late to you guys. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for still listening. But as I mentioned at the top, I've got Mel's Bells joining me again. I'm so excited. Welcome back, Mel's. Thank you so much for being here again. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's always so much fun collaborating with you, especially in American Horror Story. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Last time was so much fun, so I can't wait to dive in this time. But before we get into the finale, uh, last time we spoke, it was episode five. The sun had just risen on Camp Redwood, and both of us were really excited for kind of the potential of where this season was going to take us. And I just wanted to know what you thought of the final four episodes. Do you think nine episodes was the right amount in the end? What are your What are your feelings? Well, I have a lot of big feelings about <laughs> it. Um, big surprise there, I think. So I I actually didn't mind the nine episodes because I felt they wrapped it up fairly nicely. And honestly, I don't know what else we would have gotten in one more episode at the pace that it was going at the second half of the season. Yeah. Now, I had some ups and downs with the second half of the season. I There were a couple of episodes where I was like, eh, you know, not really what I was looking for. But mm-hmm. again, this is American Horror Story, so kind of <laughs> expected, you know, yeah. some of that. But overall, I I feel like it had a very strong beginning and it had an okay end episode arc. I liked the ending overall, but yeah, there were just a couple of episodes there where I was like, well, could have probably done without this or could have explored this a little more. You know, I just had mixed feelings on some of the the final episodes there. Yeah, fair enough. I think, yeah, mixed feelings is definitely the right word for these four episodes. They were kind of up and down a little bit all over the place, but Yeah, it is what it is. Um, All right. Well, let's dive into Final Girl. I was actually surprised to learn that this wasn't uh, done by Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk. I feel like more often than not, they usually do the premiere and then the finale. Um, but But the names here on the bill are pretty familiar. It was directed by John J. Gray, who actually wrote episode seven, as well as directed episode two of this season. And then it was written by Crystal Liu, who has done a lot of episodes of American Horror Story, including Return to Murder House from last season, which was one of my favorite episodes, I think, of the series. And Agreed. so, uh, yeah, it, it was such a good one. And I think I, I was a little surprised to learn that it was the same person here because I think one is better than the other. But mm-hmm. And I think she maybe had the same pressures with both episodes. Like last season, there was a lot riding on the fact that, you know, we're going back to the beginning here. We're going back to Murder House. That's a lot for longtime fans. And then this is a finale, which always has 
a lot of pressure kind of onto it to wrap everything up. So I don't know, but it, you know, whatever, we'll get into it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so my overall thoughts for the episode, basically I am a little underwhelmed. Like my, the one word that I kind of wrote down after watching it was meh. You know, like I didn't, I don't hate it. It's not my least favorite episode of the season, but it's definitely not my favorite either. It feels a little anticlimactic. It's almost as if they forgot to write in the climax of the story and then just kind of wrapped things up with what feels more like an epilogue than anything else, honestly. Um, So it just kind of feels a little bit incomplete. Uh, But... I don't know. It was still entertaining. I still found myself laughing. I was enjoying the music. I still like these characters. I just think maybe there was a lot of buildup for not enough payoff. And Mm -hmm. the kind of the storytelling structure that they went with in this episode, in my mind, I'm like, are they going for like a sort of a campfire ghost story kind of thing, which feels very of a piece with the season, of course. But I think I would have preferred to spend the night in 1989 and then maybe flash forward. I don't know. We can get into it further. But what are your overall thoughts? Well, I pretty much honestly share the same general feeling on it as you. It it was a wholesome yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like it was a wholesome end and that's so not American horror story to me. Like you look at past seasons now you get some type of closure in past seasons and that's okay. But for this one, I agree with you on it being anticlimactic. I mean, not that I necessarily hated the fact that they ended it so nicely, you know, like, oh, okay. I was expecting there to be something really terrible happen in like the last seconds of yes, same. the season. And when it didn't, I was just kind of like, oh, but it's a different feeling for this show. And maybe that's what I'm trying to come to terms with. I'm so used to there being that one final like jab at you, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And this just seemed very wholesome. And that's why it... I have the mixed feelings the same as you. It, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. I didn't hate it. Like you said, I, I found some humor in it. I found some parts of it to be really enjoyable, but overall I was like, oh, okay, well that's just, you know, the end. And it was yeah. just, <laughs> yeah, you know, and that, like I said, that's just not something I think that we're used to in American Horror Story universe. And maybe that's why it's taken me a little bit to kind of, come to an appreciation for it. I've watched it a few times and each time I watch it, I'm like, okay, well that was all right. All right. All right. So that one was a little bit better. Okay. I get that a little bit more, but still got that underwhelming feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point that that's just not what we're used to. And I think that, you know, in a way I think it wrapped up like sort of maybe a a trilogy of a slasher would wrap up, but then there is always that, you know, final second, um, I don't know, like weird camera cut where you just think, oh, everybody is actually still in danger. You know, it's going to go on without us watching. And we just didn't get that there. But, you know, that's what they chose to do. So, Well, it's like I think about last season, right? We got a little bit of a wholesome 
quote unquote wholesome. I, I, I'm going to use that loosely, um, <laughs> ending with what happened with the time travel and, mm-hmm. and reversing the timeline. But then you got another antichrist. Okay. Spoiler warning, I guess, if you have not watched, <laughs> um, and that was that final jab, right? That was that final scene mm-hmm. of the season. And that's usually how these seasons go with this. It was just, you know, a bittersweet type, you know, I saw my family and now I'm just going to go off and I guess live my life. And then that's kind of in scene, you know? Yep. Yep. Fade to black. Yeah. All right. So we're not going to go scene by scene here, but you know, I'm not even really sure that the episode kind of warrants it. I feel like it makes more sense to just rave about what we liked, rant about what we didn't like. And then I've got some uh, picks for my favorite lines of dialogue and song, but nothing for a scary moment because this was not, I mean, wholesome is a great word for it. It was not very scary. So yeah, (laughs) no. Um, So I'm going to start with a few things that I disliked. These are just kind of quick hits that I put together. Uh, I'm a little disappointed we didn't see any Sarah Paulson. I think I must have just heard a rumor and it was not actual fact that we were going to get her at some point, but I still got my hopes up. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it was weird that the hitchhiker was able to die outside of the campgrounds and still be able to come back. And yet they made such a big point of who they did and didn't want to die inside of the campgrounds in this uh, episode. That was Mm -hmm. weird. There was really no kind of clarification on the ending of episode eight. Like where did Jingles go? How did Bobby come back? All that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. We never saw the ghost of Xavier's boss Uh, And then what is the deal with Chet's storyline regarding his sexual preference? There were two moments where it was brought up in a really strange way. It seemed like maybe they wanted to go somewhere with that, but they never really did anything. It was very confusing. So, yeah, yeah, those are, I mean, they're a little bit nitpicky. That's why they're quick hits. I don't know (laughs) if you have anything like that in your notes or if you just want to dive into something overall that you didn't like. Well, I have a couple of quick takes as well. Yeah, okay. Um, I do agree with the the whole Chet storyline was just it was confusing to me. I mm-hmm. I just and and like you said, they hinted at a couple of things like in the beginning of the season, and then all of a sudden he's back and he's hooking up with Birdie, which I was <laughs> like, all right, Birdie. Um, but you know, but then and then she says you've hooked up with everybody here except for me, and it was, but it didn't flow. That whole mm-hmm. like interaction to me didn't flow very well. It was very choppy, and I thought, you know, in it's not like we would care if Chet was bisexual or whatever. You know, his choice was. It just seemed like it was just kind of thrown in there, mm-hmm. and then not. Nothing really came of it. And so, yeah, I agree with that. I had that down as my kind of like dislikes on that. Um, what I, I wrote this and this kind of goes for this whole second half, I believe, of the of the series, but mostly in the finale as well, is the lack of Xavier. Mm-hmm. Like once, yeah, yeah. You know, once he died and came back as a ghost. Now we did get him in the, you know, the episode where uh, we went to, I guess, 89, right? and uh, Or 85, maybe. Anywho, when we, when we first saw him back and he and Montana were together, and th- so there were some Xavier moments there, but then he kind of just slowly, like, faded off, and he was, yeah. like, my favorite character. 
I know you and I were having so much fun chatting about him uh, when we were talking about episode five. And then, yeah, you're right. Just kind of a fizzle out. Yeah. he. I mean, it was like he was in the background for the last few episodes. And, I, and especially on the finale, I thought, well, maybe he'll get something big in the finale. And I'm like, mm, not really. I mean, he was yeah. still like a background character. Yeah. Yeah. Kind um, of a waste. Yeah, I think so, too. I personally... And this is just me being petty and messy, maybe. I just wish <laughs> Margaret hadn't become a ghost. You I wish she hadn't? Her. No. Yeah, I didn't want her to become a ghost. I didn't even want her to have that type of luxury where, you know, no, it's not an ideal situation, but you still have some type of, like, afterlife or you're still, you know, roaming around. I didn't even want her to have that. Yeah, I agree. You know? And, and they um, went to such effort to make sure that it didn't happen. It kind of felt... I don't know. It, it felt a little shoehorned in there that she even did come back. Yeah. And it also, I didn't really care too much about the storyline of her being after Bobby as well, because I thought, why would she really care about that? I mean, yeah. I, I know the character that they built up for her, that she's just, she's batshit crazy. Okay. Um, <laughs> she likes murder and she's, she's warped, but I didn't understand why she would have this vendetta against Bobby and Mr. Jingles, really. I mean, because she didn't really seem to care all that much after when she was planning to go back to Redwood and have the festival and all of that. I don't know. That whole thing there, too, I was like, well, that doesn't seem to fit either. So I didn't really care for what they did with Margaret in the end either. Um, And this was an overall. I really... and this is a torn one for me. Um, I like Zach Villa. Okay. I think he's a phenomenal actor. <laughs> yeah. And I, hope comes, I hope he comes back. Like, you know, I, I heard some rumors the next season might be the last one. I don't know. But I hope that they do have him in some capacity in, in the following season. But I struggled with the Ramirez stuff because I was like, okay, um, <laughs> Hotel is like one of my favorite seasons. And then we had Devil's Night and right. we had the real Ramirez storyline. And I did read where Ryan Murphy came out and said, oh, well, 1984 is an alternate reality. And I think he came out and said that because of what they did with Ramirez. Now, yeah, where I'm torn on it is I do kind of like the idea of him being in like this trapped in this eternal hell where he keeps coming back and keeps getting resurrected, but keeps getting killed. And like, maybe that's some type of, um, avenging or vengeance for, you know, the people that he did murder. I kind of understand that part, but at the same time I was like, I'm I'm just not digging it. And I just don't think I was a big fan of the Ramirez storyline throughout the entire season, to be honest. I, I liked it. I wanted it to be more backseat and the episodes where it was more backseat, I was fine with it, but the, just how heavy it was in the last couple of episodes, I was like, I, I don't know. I could have done without it. And I really feel like that took up a lot of time in the season as well. You know? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I agree. I feel like, you know, I agree with the fact that I was not digging the Ramirez character. I struggled with it as well. And I'm I'm torn for the same reasons because I think that it's satisfying to see his character live out such a brutal existence for, I mean, at least 30 years that we know of, right? But mm-hmm. um, it it kind of, what, what I thought you were going to bring up actually, and I was going to ask you about this, is that 
like, does this mess with the continuity of hotel? And, and I guess you did say, yeah, it was the alternate universe thing, but that seems kind of like a retcon. That seems kind Mm -hmm. of like Ryan Murphy is just covering his bases there and hadn't really actually thought about it. But I don't know. It's, I mean, I'm not like, it's not keeping me up at night or anything, but it is kind of weird because we know that in, I guess, Hotel happened in like 2015 or something. So he still would have been under what the ghost gang was calling like death watch. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I... And I did like that we got this sort of montage of every time he was sort of resurrected, they were coming up with the funny new ways to kill him, like the shot of Xavier with the chainsaw. I mean, yes. at least he had that, right? That, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, at least he had that, and at least he did have the the good one-liner and, and moments with Margaret as well and her death. Yeah, very true. But yeah, I – and again, that might just be me – being nitpicky for my own reasons because of how much I really liked hotel and everything. But I was very wary of the Ramirez stuff anyway, during this season, I didn't really particularly care for all of that. And then, you know, I don't know. I'm just torn on it. I, I've read a lot. A lot of people were upset because they felt like they kind of glorified, like they made him into this sexy guy, which, mm-hmm. again, they, you know, they got a good looking guy to play him. Yeah. And he had some funny, really funny moments. And I felt kind of gross laughing at some yeah, of them. Yeah, totally. I, like, I shouldn't be laughing at Richard Ramirez. But again, it's fictionalized. And yeah, I, I, I like to think that there's a continuity and there's a flow to all the seasons of American Horror Story. And I think that's why it bothered me the most that he got out of jail and then he ended up back at Redwood. And then this is what happened to him for the past 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's just no way, except for what Ryan Murphy did come out and say, but there's just no way for this to to really fit into any of the seasons of American Horror. No, and and it's actually, I find it really irritating that Ryan Murphy would say that in this sort of like extra or like beyond the text kind of way, because Mm. they've made an effort in past seasons and even in this one to kind of allude to the fact that they are connected. So you can't have it both ways, you know, like. You're right about that because, well, like on the hundredth episode, they mentioned that Margaret had bought Briarcliff, Mm -hmm. which, which is. Okay, so now we're blowing Ryan Murphy up real big right now, okay? <laughs> because you bring can't, it. yeah, you can't bring in that, you can't say it was an alternate reality, but have a direct mention of Briarcliff. Yes, that I would, agree. Yeah, so that would negate you saying it's an alternate reality because Briarcliff was mentioned and it was part of this. Okay, Uh Okay. Yeah, whatever. I'm just going to have to move on from that because otherwise <laughs> I will talk for hours and hours on how I did not like <laughs> what they did with that. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, fair enough. It's so frustrating. And I agree with you. I loved Hotel so much as well. So it's probably just a, maybe it's a particular bee in our bonnet because of that too. But I think so. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was like, you know what? I think I'm just being extra messy right now because Hotel happens to be really up there for me in my, yeah. like in my favorite seasons. And so perhaps that's why I'm just being petty. <laughs> well, I, I think it's warranted, it honestly, <laughs> especially when, I mean, that's a big 
That's a big issue for me in any show. I mean, if you, uh, when like a, a showrunner or a writer comes out and says something to the press that isn't made explicit within the text of their show, well then make it explicit in your show and you wouldn't have to be doing these things. Exactly. So, I agree. Yeah. Well, so before we move too far from Richard Ramirez, I going back to something else I didn't like, I found it very convenient that the one night they let him out of their sight just happens to be the night that Bobby was there. Right. I you mean, know, I mean, it's it's convenience for the sake of the story, but it is I think it could have been orchestrated a little bit better. I don't know. It's it's a little yeah. sloppy. I think they could have been a little bit more clever. And then, yeah. you know, another convenience, it's like, how did Bobby even make it all the way to Red Meadows, despite the fact that he had just been stabbed pretty brutally in the back? Yeah. You know, okay. like, how does he make that long walk? And then also, when he gets there and he's about to be carted off, Donna just happens to be walking through the hallways. <laughs> it's just, know, it's right? like one too many conveniences after the other, <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. No, you're right. I, again, that was, these are the things that I really struggled with in the finale. Cause I was like, okay, he, he gets a knife thrown in his back, mm-hmm. but he's able to make it all the way to the, to the mental, you know, institution where his dad once was. And he just doesn't look like he's really that hurt. And I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure if he gets stabbed in the back, because <laughs> it didn't appear to be a flesh wound. so I don't know it just yeah that whole thing and right like they went through the links to show us that all the montage of all of the ghosts you know on ghost watch uh killing him over and over again you know making sure he doesn't escape it would have maybe we could have seen a couple of times where he got past them in other instances and they had to chase him down. You know, it's just like this one night is the Mm -hmm. night that he happens to be able to. And I'm wondering because the other times, and I don't know, this might be me trying to go too much into it as well. Cause you know, I like to do that, (laughs) but we didn't, it was a little more detailed on that night. We actually saw the, I'm calling it like the devil smoke, you know, that comes over him when it resurrects him. And and I'm wondering if it was something a little more supernatural this time around that maybe was able or made it able for him to get away from the ghost watch because he kept saying, your dad betrayed Satan. Now it's time for me to collect the debt. I don't know if they were trying to say, oh, Satan knows that Bobby's on the grounds now, so let me get you out of here like the quickest way I can or something, you know, for you to get yeah. to, for you to collect this debt for me. Yeah, I like that. I don't know. No, that's, that's a pretty good read on that. I mean, it's, uh, that wraps it up pretty nicely, actually. That so kind of takes I'm away all the so convenience of that. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But then again, in the montage, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have wanted to see the, the the devil smoke releasing him every time anyway. So yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, all right. Well, maybe I'll talk about a couple of things that I did like. We'll switch it up here. It was nice to get Chef Birdie back. That w- it was wow. nice to see her again. I am very happy that Finn Whitrock was brought in to play Bobby. It was fun to see him play a nice guy. You know, I think yeah. like in. I can't remember. He's only been in two seasons before. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I feel like he's always 
he's always kind of a shithead. So it was really nice to see him be so genuine in this one. And then, um, you know, you're talking about you liked Zach Via as an addition to the cast. And I liked him, too. But I think I liked Matthew Morrison even more. I really hope he sticks around, too. The chemistry between him and Billy Lord was great. Because as much as I disliked the sort of storytelling structure of this episode, what saves it is the fact that it's Trevor and Montana doing most of the heavy lifting there. Because I think that it, it works through their lens. They bring enough... Um, well, they just bring their chemistry to it. They have good humor. So I liked that. I hope he sticks around for sure. And then something that made me laugh, actually, every time I've watched it, is as Montana and Trevor are telling Bobby about how they've been killing Richard Ramirez for the past 30 years, there is the quickest transition from day to night that has happened in the entire season. And it's just it just makes me laugh every time because we had like a five-hour night or yes. a five-episode night, whatever. But so, yes. yeah, that always gets me. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious because I was like, oh, all of a sudden it's nighttime. <laughs> yeah. I'm like how long? And it doesn't sound like you've been telling it a super long story here. No, no. <laughs> and it seems like he arrived when it was still pretty light out. So I don't know. I mean, whatever. I'm not going to think about what time of day it was, <laughs> but I'm not going to go that deep. But uh, but I agree with you on that. Yeah. And then, you know, what? I really, I really liked the cold open. I thought it was really beautifully directed the shots of like the abandoned campgrounds and you know the the tattered signage for the festival and the really ominous shot of the wood chipper covered in all that rusty blood it was it was just nice and ominous it had like a good uh, intriguing kind of mystery building for it, especially when Montana shows up and you're like, wait, aren't you going to immediately try and kill this newcomer because that was kind of your jam back in the day, so why aren't you doing that? Why are you getting emotional when you learn that this is Mr. Jingles' son and you're, like, hugging him? And so I think it, it was it built up. I think that really excited me for the episode too because I was like, oh, this is super interesting. I wonder if we're going to see this and then we'll flash back to that night, like that Halloween weekend. And, you know, whatever. What happened is what happened. Um, But then even what follows that, you know, the beginning of Trevor and Montana telling the story about that night, their humor together is just so great. And the whole like, oh, shoot me, shoot me, stab me, me next. And then like their excitement with being killed and then the way they show back up at the door after they've been killed or actually after they murdered themselves. But I just thought that was so cute and it was a nice balance because I'm still in that moment wondering, like, why aren't they killing this guy? Like, why aren't Mm. they going for him? Why are they having so much fun? So I liked all that stuff quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. But my very first like was Montana's redemption. Montana's change from, you know, uh, wanting the revenge and, and not you know, hating Brooke and loving killing and all of that. I loved the flip in it. And of course we find out later in the episode, what made her, you know, switch there. Right. Uh, But I think because of when Jingles came back to the camp and he told the story about how Ramirez was going to come after his son and he had tried so hard to be living his life right. And, try to make up for what had happened at the camp. You could see there was emotion in Montana then. I mean, she was crying, you know, at one point when they had him all tied up. Yeah, that's true. 
And so I'm wondering if that's when it flipped for her as far as like, oh, wow, you know, he went out and he had a child and he loves his child so much that he's going to come back here and risk his life to try to protect him. And then Montana is the only one that saw him get dragged into the lake. So I'm just wondering if for her, she kind of knew, okay, well, he went off to this other part of the camp where they can hide them. Well, I guess they can hide themselves anyway, but he hid himself with his mom and his brother, right? And he lived for that 30 years, not interacting with the other ghosts. And maybe that's why when she found out who... Bobby was, you know, that she was like, oh, God, you know, she had that real emotional tie to it because she was like, wow, yeah, well, remember when your dad came back here and the love he had for you and how it felt, you know? Yeah, Yeah, totally. Well, it's funny because I was going to actually ask you if you felt that there was enough there for Montana to be redeemed. And you've kind of filled in some blanks for me, honestly, because I was a little bit torn on it. Again, it's because of the storytelling structure. I just feel like some of the emotional investment was a little bit taken away for me because the way I'm watching it, I know that I'm being told this stuff. Like, does that make sense? Like, it's not, Mm -hmm. we're not actually in that night in 1989. We're in the present day and somebody's just retelling us that stuff. But I think you bring up such a good point from, I don't know if it was uh, episode eight or episode seven when she does, yeah, she was crying. And I remember in that moment thinking, why is she crying? Like like, at that point, I think it still seemed a little soft for her character but maybe that's how they were starting to soften her and exactly. and yeah the totally seeing him being pulled into the lake and and I do like what they did with Brooke later that made sense mm-hmm. so again it's just another thing that I felt really torn about in terms of that but I don't know you yeah. you've, you've brought me around a little bit you really filled in <laughs> some right. of those blanks yeah yeah <laughs> Ooh, yeah well and also because we, we saw, like you said, the softening of Montana when Jingles was pleading with them to please don't, you know, please don't kill me. Please don't hurt me yet. I've got so much that I've got to do. You know, God protect this child. He's innocent in all of this. Yeah. And then when she sees Trevor again, I think that also, which I have thoughts on that, too, because I was like, I guess she and Xavier just weren't compatible enough because yeah, as soon as Travis good point back up, it was like oh Xavier who <laughs> well it but was funny on his good. part too because he like I mean they spent part of a night together in 1984 but he's just yeah. been holding this torch for her ever since I mean I guess it was a really fun time in the lake so <laughs> <I guess>. <laughs> <laughs> the need for more was just left yeah. there yeah um, but so when maybe Hersey and Trevor again, then she was like, oh, you know, maybe things can go right for me. I don't think that she necessarily wanted him to, to die and, you know, be a ghost with her. But I guess he could have maybe lived there with her, you know, him as a human and she is a ghost. But I think it was that moment because she was still very angry with Brooke when Brooke showed up. Mm-hmm. And she was like, don't touch him. Do not do it. You already took my brother away from me. You know, she was still really hardcore hating on her. And then even Brooke having sass with Montana too, but she helps Trevor over. (laughs) 
And then, you know, she just kind of like struts away and I'm like, oh, okay, well, great. I'm glad you were happy to be hiding around that bus. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, again, convenient. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, and for her, maybe that was another layer for Montana for her to see Brooke, even though she tried to kill her and then Brooke, you know, killed Montana in self-defense. But then she, all of those terrible things happened to Brooke for Brooke to still be willing to give Montana something. Maybe that is like the story of the Grinch. Maybe that's what made her heart just grow, you know? Yeah, totally. To still I see figured. such compassion. Yeah. Right. So I, you know, so I think it, it was a combination of those things. Like she got Trevor. That's, I guess, apparently who she wanted this whole time, even though I didn't get, I mean, I could see that they were in lust, but I didn't really yes. get the love vibes because I thought she was like into Ramirez, but then guess she was just using him for Brooke and then, you know, all of that. So, um, yeah, she yeah, was a little messy, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Bless her heart. She's been through a lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so I did really like the, Mon- I liked the Montana redemption and I think I liked her redemption arc best out of any of the characters, like even the ones who survived. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. That, and that's just my, I guess my hot take on it. I, I just liked seeing the protectiveness of her Yeah, and that because Billy Lord, she's a phenomenal actress. Like what I love about her is that you can read emotion. She does it so well in her actions, like her, her uh, facial expressions, her, yeah. you know, body language, everything. So I could really tell just through that when Brooke helped him back into the camp to die so he could be a ghost with her. You could just almost see it all come over her face where she was like, oh, you know, maybe I should try this. Like yeah, redemption. it's almost like a, like a wall just kind of fell down from being up exactly. in front of her. Yeah. I mean, Billy Lord's got it in her blood, so. That's true. You She's know? got a yeah. is royalty, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, okay, so speaking of Brooke, this is kind of the last big thing that I didn't really like about the episode. Uh I think Donna should have been the final girl. I wasn't really here for there being two final girls, uh, even though it was pretty much telegraphed from the beginning of the season that, you know, Brooke was the quintessential, like, virginal character. She was probably going to end up being the final girl. But I was actually a little excited when it seemed like she was dead and we were going to get Donna as the final (laughs) girl. But, I mean... In hindsight, it's like they kind of moved on from her dead body a little too quickly, and I should have seen that there was going to be more coming from that storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just – and then, there, like, there's a couple things about the way that she survived that really bothered me. Okay, sure, maybe Ray called the paramedics, and they were able to get there in time to rush her to the hospital. But even the stuff with Ray, like, as he's helping to save her – they played this like it was some big reunion between two long lost lovers. And I was yeah. just, you know, like the last time we saw these two together, Brooke was running away in fear because she saw this dude's head in a fridge. Exactly. So like, yeah. And it's just the, like the tender kiss that they share. I think it was really overblown, but mm. maybe they were just going for that big cheesy moment that, you know, a lot of eighties horror kind of has into it. Right. That's true. And yeah. yes, like the, the 80, like 80s, like horror and 80s, like rom-com, like whatever, yes. you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I will agree with you what, uh, and I 
I put Brooke's whole deal here in its category on its own. Like I okay. couldn't decide if I, it was on my likes or dislikes, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so much to unpack here. So Ray, I know from Ray's perspective, because when we had that episode where the two tourists were there and, and they saw the paper and that's when Brooke was going to be executed. He was really upset about it. So yeah. for Ray, I knew that for him, there was something a little more there, I guess. Now I never got that from her because I never heard, she never mentioned Ray and nothing no. ever came back up about that. Right. Like what you just said, she was running away from him in horror because his head was in the refrigerator. <laughs> but the whole thing and then her being dead and then him kissing her and then her coming back alive and then him helping her. And he's like, I can't go any further than this. And then her collapsing right outside of that. I don't know. I got, it's very hard for me because I'm like, did they have working phones? I I, I don't know. There's just so much. I was like, you know, I was like, they, did they even have working phones? How would he have called someone? I mean, I guess it, could be possible, but then, you know, well, there was that payphone, but I thought at one point it got cut or something. I mean, maybe that's just in my head for some reason, but I thought we well, heard that, that. Yeah. Well, and there was that payphone. Well, you know, it's funny because this is where my mind went to, but when she said some, someone from the camp must've called, right. I thought, okay, I remember in one of the first episodes, I think it was probably the first one. I made a mental note of that payphone that they passed that was on the side of the road. Oh, true. Like, yeah. But that I don't think that that was inside of Camp Redwood. And then I'm then I remembered, okay, well, Brooke was also getting those weird phone calls yeah. in the beginning on that payphone, but then it turned out that it wasn't really working. So I was like, can ghosts call on that and be weird? I don't <laughs> Yeah, that whole thing was you know, so it's like someone must have called from in there. I don't know. I I feel like there was something else with Brooke because she she didn't seem like she wanted to divulge a lot about that night when we caught up with her later with Bobby and Donna and her whole story about how she looks ageless and Mm -hmm. how she was rescued the whole thing just seemed very that like there was something there and perhaps that was how that mystery or that final zing for the season was supposed to be ending for us, right? Like we don't really know what happened with Brooke, to be honest, because things just seemed too easy for her after that. And she did not age. In my opinion, she didn't look like she should have been 50 years old. No, (laughs) (laughs) no. I don't care if your husband's a dermatologist and you have fillers. I just, you know, I don't know. There's only so much you can do. Okay. Modern medicine has only come so far. And, you know, I like, I was the same as you. I was thinking maybe there's something more to this side of Brooke's story. And I almost wondered if that was going to be the final kind of twist thing. Like what if she actually in the end made the deal with Satan or something? Mm -hmm. Because I don't know, it just, it all felt a little, uh, haphazardly glued together like it just didn't really all fit and you know it's it's weird that Donna wouldn't know that she was alive because she does make mention of the fact that she's been back to the camp 
to right. to visit with them. And, you know, it was hard for them to see somebody that could age. But she's been back there. So you would think that Ray might even just ask, like, hey, is there any news on Brooke? Is she okay? Did she make it? Something like that. And then, yeah. and then you know, what's more is, like, okay, Brooke escaped death row. How does she then pop back up into existence and just go get to live a free life? Like, is was there something that we just weren't told about the real story coming to light? So Brooke was, um, you know, like, let off of all charges or something. But that feels a little sloppy to me, too. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Because here's the thing. I mean, even if it was the 80s, um, they still had <laughs> fingerprints. They yeah. still had fingerprint databases. So if she had been picked up and taken with no identification to a hospital, they would have fingerprinted her. They would have done something to try to identify her. And then she would have come up in a criminal database. Yeah. And it would have shown that she was executed. Yeah. That whole thing. I was like, um, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it doesn't flow very well for me. No. Yeah. That's a good word. So for either it. it does she, not flow. Yeah. So either she made the deal with the devil or now this is me really reaching. Okay. Ooh, okay. Or ooh, Ray, breathe some ghost life into her when he <laughs> kissed her and brought her back and she maybe just doesn't like maybe she's still human but does not age as quickly I, I don't know it, because I it just seems it. to yeah because it just seems to me like she's pretty much dead and he kisses her and then she's back alive so I was like did he breathe some magic ghost breath into her oh and that God. helped her <laughs> You know, I don't know, because we did see her collapse, but if she's mm-hmm. got, like, some kind of special magical something, I don't know. Because even, I don't know, I there's I have so many thoughts. Because even when we got the backstory on Jingle's mom, and we yeah. learned that she's actually the one that whispered into Margaret's ear that made her crazy. Right. Yeah. I'm wondering, do they hold some type of powers or something where they can do something to manipulate human life in some way or another. So was that for Ray, his way of making up for his frat boy, um, Mm. you know, where he didn't mean for that guy to really die. He thought he was already dead. And this was maybe his shot to try and rewrite or change history because that's what Lavinia did with Margaret. She whispered in her ear and it kind of, flipped something in her mind almost. So did Ray have that same type of ability where he he kissed her and did some kind of ghost like voodoo or something? Yeah. And but but Brooke couldn't say that or Brooke didn't know that's what happened. I don't know because she's like, I woke up in this white room. I was in pain. And yeah, so that's just that. And I was like, oh, so when you woke up though and you were in this like white room, was that when he was like breathing that ghost breath into you. Uh, This is a reach. Okay. (laughs) You know what though? I think you backed up your reach with the whole Jingle's mom whispering into Margaret's ear though, because that does set a kind of precedent that these ghosts have some kind of extra power that, you know, it's, this is going back to my overall thoughts. It's just a very incomplete story Mm -hmm. in, in, in certain ways because they, they didn't give us more information so we are left to do the reaching and to figure it out right but right yeah I don't know I I think you backed it up pretty well well wow I'm gonna pat myself on the back I've got like (laughs) 
two pats I'm giving myself here. There you um, go. <laughs> uh, and then a couple of, uh, I guess moving along from Brooke, because like, yeah. I don't think we're ever going to solve what, no, uh, what her deal was. And then she's sending all this money to Bobby and it's like, well, that's great. I, and thanks for doing that. I guess. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Um, I will say a couple other things that I did like, because you've hit on pretty much every, I had the same likes down for the episode. Um, I do like how protective the ghosts were. And I I said that about Montana, but I meant it for all of them as well, because when, um, Margaret tries to kill Bobby and, um, Jingle shows up there and then Lavinia shows up and then all of the ghosts are there and, and Lavinia's like, take her you know, and yeah. do what you will with her. There, it seemed like all of the ghosts were protective, you know, as well. And and also that would be, I guess, why they were on Ghost Watch over Ramirez too. So I liked that. And I yeah, like... Yeah, it's nice. They formed like some nice afterlife bonds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were like, oh, we don't have to be so bad, I guess, you know. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> um, and then... Because like you said, the storytelling in this episode with the back and forth between 89 and 2019 and here and there, um, back in 89, though, when the ghosts do come for Margaret, I really liked how Roanoke it felt to me. Oh, yeah. When they were standing all around the cabin with the torches and stuff. Totally. Yes. I was like, yes. Because again, Roanoke is another one of my favorites. I think it's underrated. Um, Oh my God. I I feel like our rankings are going to be so similar. (laughs) They probably are because I think you and I share almost like the same brain when it comes to this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I love Roanoke. Um, I totally agree. I think people shit on that season way too much. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I liked it. And so maybe that's why I liked you know, those parts of this season. Because this season, some parts of it felt kind of Roanoke-y to me as well. So. Yeah, I, I dig that, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was something I liked, though. I just liked that whole scene when the door was opened and they were all sitting there and, and Xavier was like, we want your head on a stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, yeah. I like the way that they took Margaret out, too. And I, I like that the the wood chipper, you know, it was like Chekhov's wood chipper. It really came back and was used for a pretty pretty brutal but pretty great reason. Oh, my gosh. That whole scene, I, I, oh like, my I God. thought to myself, am I this desensitized? But I don't <laughs> think that's what it is. I just think that it's like everybody wanted this so badly. I was laughing the whole time that they were like taking care of her because oh, I was like, "Totally, you yeah. have no arms and legs. You are a torso with a head right now, and you're still telling them." Yes, you know, you're still talking to them very cohesively about you know, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to die. You're not going to get rid of me that easy. Yeah. And I was, like, she's not like, like drowsy or feeling yeah. the blood loss or anything. <laughs> no, she's still just talking shit and being Margaret. Yeah. She's still being a hundred percent Margaret where she was like, Oh, you're not it. You're never, I'm going to die before you get my remains over that yeah. fence. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, this is just so typical of Margaret. But I had was really, and that's why I put under my dislike. I just really wish she hadn't become a ghost. But yeah. now, that she, now that she's shown herself, cause she did say she had been hiding all that time. Maybe now that she's shown herself, they'll they'll do the same thing to her like they were doing to Ramirez. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, um, well, and in that scene, oh my God, okay, Courtney, when he says, oh my, my, this is gratifying. Is there a puree setting on it? The way he says the word puree, I, like, <laughs> I don't know if that's the way the actor says it or if it was like an acting decision in the moment, but it, I replayed it so many times. It is such oh, a good line. I love that actor because I loved him in Coven. And then I loved yes. him in, because he was in Roanoke too, right? Yeah. 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 I know when he I, first appeared in this season, I just kept waiting for him to say like, Croatoan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh. So yeah, when he was like, is there a puree? I, was, <laughs> yes. I mean, that, that was one of my favorite lines. I was yeah. just like, yes, tell him, you tell him she did you wrong. I you know. know? Yeah, and yeah. well, and it's like you said, are you desensitized to this? But I think it's different. Like when it's a character that deserves to go and deserves to get what's coming to them, I think it it puts those kind of scenes in a different light. Like if this was a torture scene to an innocent character or just even a character who didn't really like, the, I don't know, the way that it's framed is different. I think you can laugh to something like this. Right. You you are right because like there are there have been some scenes in some past seasons like oh, the one yeah. that comes to mind for me in Cult with the nail gun um where I was like that oh, physically makes me ill. Oh gosh, be glad you don't because sometimes <laughs> it's like flash in my mind and I'm like, "Oh, oh no. that's a horrible." Yeah, that's a horrible way to go is by people just coming up to you with a nail gun and shooting nails in your head. But um huh. yeah, so that I'm not desensitized to that. That made me physically like ill. But yeah, this, for sure. just like, oh, this is wonderful. Just keep chopping her up and throwing her in there. I mean, just yeah. chucking a leg in here. It's like, you know, or riding boots just right yeah, out. And when oh. it when it like splattered back on them and they were like, What the oh. hell? <laughs> oh, oh gosh. And but that one jingles and jingles impersonator was like, oh. you know, just like I was like, yeah. Oh, you're so nasty. <laughs> See, we can still find that gross, right? So <laughs> I know. Right. I was like, don't, that's taking it too far, man. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he was really into the role. He was, he was, he might've been a method actor. Yeah. You never know. (laughs) But, but you're right. I think that would have been the perfect ending for Margaret. And then the way that they brought her back, like the whole, the whole wanting to go after Bobby thing. I don't know. It's like tacked on. She had her Mm -hmm. ending. Should have just left it at that. Yeah. That's, that's, I, that's how I feel. I mean, I same thing. I was just like, man, when she showed back up, I was like, oh, now I'm disappointed. Okay, because I thought <laughs> for sure that they were like, we're getting, you know, we're, we're killing you, we're getting rid of you, it's over, you know. And then, ugh, here she is. And yeah, well, um, but I did also as cheesy as it was, I did like the closure for for the Richter family. I did yes. like that. This so this is my final point too. It almost brought a tear to my eye cuz I thought, mm-hmm. okay, you know, obviously Bobby wasn't going to stop going back there until he saw his dad and his dad, even though he was a ghost, he still, you know, was protecting him. He's like, get out of here. Why are you coming back here? And you know that there, that was a tender moment between them and like you mentioned earlier, I really liked this different type of character for Finn Whitrock. Like he was dandy and freak show and he was a big ass there. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And he was, I think his name was Tristan, I think in hotel. Yeah. 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 
the same type of character. Um, so I liked that it was a different type of character for him here. And I liked that that whole thing, I felt it was wrapped up. It was cheesy AF, but I felt it had to be that way because it had to have an 80s feeling to it. Like that almost felt mm-hmm. Breakfast Club-ish. Yes. Yes, like a really kind of twisted, weird version of that. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, you know, like I wanted, I kind of wanted him to walk off and do the whole well, Judd Nelson. Like, did he ever get his Oscar? <laughs> you know, I wanted him to like put his fist up in the air, like yeah, yeah you I know. know. Uh, but yeah, so I I didn't mind that. I actually thought that was touching and endearing. But again, I that was not the final shot I was expecting for the season. No, not at all. Um, yeah, I, that's also, that scene is also on my list of what I liked. And I think, so I'm going to call it a masterpiece in emotional manipulation, but I think it's in a good way. Like, I think there are a lot of shows that pull on our heartstrings without, um, warranting it, I guess. And even Mm -hmm. though it's a little thinly spread here, because, I mean, Bobby doesn't really know his dad, but you're right. He, in that moment when he could, his dad was still sacrificing himself, still helping to save his only son, right? So there is, there's still, and even, even if you never met a parent, there's still going to be some kind of, uh, just evolutionary bond that kind of connects you to that person, right? But he doesn't know who his grandmother is. I mean, I was hoping at one point he was going to say something like grandma or like he, she was going to say my grandson or something thing to make that connection. I doubt he really knows who the little boy Bobby is, but the song choice, The Living Years by Mike and the Mechanics, I mean, not only do they edit it where it's swelling at the perfect moments, the lyrics that come in about telling people that you love them when you still have the chance, it is so perfectly constructed that I just, it's like you said, it brought, like it was bringing a tear to my eye. I was going, okay, I barely know this family, but I'm super happy that they found such closure. Like I feel really, really good about where that family uh, ends off in the season. It, it's, it yes. was just so, so well done. I agree. And it was, you know, I, I found myself, I was like, Mel's, you're getting like teary eyed over the fact that this, <laughs> this kid, or well, I guess he wouldn't be a kid at that point. He was in his thirties, but you know, that he's walking away from my haunted campground and watching and saying goodbye to his ghost family. Ghost I'm like, family. really? Yeah. Like, is that tear worthy? And I'm like, but it's just, like you said, I was like the song choice, the lyrics, like yep. all of it. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Stop crying. <laughs> I mean, (laughs) I wasn't like bawling over it or anything, but it was still, it was very touching. It was heartwarming. And I think they made the right choice to use somebody like Finn Whitrock in that moment or for that character, I should say, and to have John Carroll Lynch and Lily Rabb be part of this family. Because as much as I love some of the other actors that are on this show, they are definitely the stronger actors that we've seen throughout this series. And so I think that there that kind of adds to it as well that gives it just another layer of plausibility emotional investment that kind of thing i agree yeah i'm i'm really i'm really happy what they did with jingles character i, I the, just that whole thing because he had a when we saw his redemption obviously kind of earlier on in the season and you know everything but i, I really liked how they did that as well and for john carroll lynch because 
he's been on past seasons as well. You know, just for him to have this type of character as well, I thought was very nicely done because it's just very different from what he had had going for him in other seasons. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like, I feel like you and I mentioned that it was kind of, it kind of had these hints of twisty from Mm -hmm. a freak show, but I don't think in the end it was, I mean, yes, there was the hints there, but I don't think it really ended up being like that too, too much. I agree. Yeah, but it, was it, it, it was his own thing. Yeah, and it is funny, though, because, like, now I'm just remembering, don't Dandy, like, doesn't Dandy want to, like, be friends with Twisty yeah. or something? Yes, yeah, yes. So he, like, picks him up on the side, or the uh, maybe it was his mom, Frances Conroy. Uh, one of them picks him up on the side of the road and brings him to the house. Right, and Dandy's like, right. Yeah, and Dandy's like, I want to be you so bad, because, like, in during that season, he ends up, after Twisty gets his sort of like release into the afterlife or, you know, whatever, uh, Dandy starts wearing that clown, half yes, clown right. face and stuff. But right. yeah, so I was like, this is I, the layers of how funny this whole thing is, is I'm totally. like, oh, it's Finn and John back together and in totally different roles, you know, but they're still hugging because I think that they hugged in freak show because I think Dandy was like oh you're here you know and like Twisted the Clown is like (laughs) doesn't talk you know he's just like staring at him and he like gives him a hug and everything and I'm like oh they have another embrace but it's a much nicer circumstance this time around. Totally yeah much nicer and that scene too is really touching actually like where um Jingles is like holding Bobby's face and just like gives him the kiss on the forehead that was another moment where I was like okay they've never met but it's still really working for me yeah yeah I I mean as uh, again I know I've said this a million times but as cheesy as it was I really hook line and sinker for me I loved that yeah yeah I'm right there with you well, do you have anything else like for likes or dislikes? I've I've gone through my list here. I've got a couple of lines of dialogue I wanted to bring up, but that's about it. Yeah, well, uh, no, I mean, honestly, like I said, I, I think we've covered it. You and I had pretty much the same likes and dislikes and some of the same questions. Like, hmm. you know, we were left with some of these same questions. And overall, like I said, I it was... I was loving the first half. I was loving like almost, you know, all first like five episodes. And then it got a little up and down for me. And I I could still pick out things that I really liked. And then there were things that I didn't. And the same can be said for, you know, the finale. Mm-hmm. I I just, the, the aspects that we talked about with Bobby and, and some of the ghosts and their redemptions, like that I was really happy about. It just... And it just ended though, you know, and I was like, this is just something new for us in, in American Horror Story. And I, I guess that's just what threw, threw me for a loop at least. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm there with you. Um, yeah. Well, I guess I just, I had two other lines of dialogue that I wanted to highlight. I really liked when Montana was uh, trying to seduce Richard Ramirez back to the cabin. And she's like, think about it. You can't sing Rebel Yell and not be a rebel. <laughs> I loved it because that was a good one because, you know, like, because he has that knife to her throat and she says that to him. And then she even does a whole like, yeah, yeah, get it, you know, and then he's like, oh, sorry, babe, you're right. Whoa, you know, like that 
whole thing. I was like, this is so stupid. But yes, I loved that line from her. I mean, she knew exactly what to say (laughs) to convince him. It just had to be uh, like something to do with idol and perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But you know, oh, Ramirez just, you know, there's the only one person in his life he's a sucker for, and that happens to be Billy Idol. <laughs> I wonder how the the real Billy Idol feels about that. Like, that would be I very would interesting. Yes, that would yes. be super interesting to hear his thoughts. But And then the, the only other one, it's not even a funny line. It just actually, it was another one of those moments where I was like, oh, this is super sweet. It's when Donna says to Brooke, I'm not mad at you for having a good life. I just wish I could have been a part of it. I thought that was really touching. That was touching, yeah. Yeah. And, and it made me a little mad at Brooke because I was yes. like, oh, how could you? I mean, right? the woman like saved your life. Yeah, she went to pretty great lengths to make sure that you were not given that lethal injection. She went <laughs> yeah. back to the camp with you. She pumped you up to be the final girl. She stopped you from killing that. Um, yeah, the reporter. True yeah, crime writer yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, she had your back, girl. You could have at least, mm-hmm. you know, given her a little something. I agree. That was touching. I had a line that I thought was really cute and yeah. funny is when the ghosts all come out and after, you know, Margaret's been stabbed or whatever and Lavinia's like, take her, you know, and Montana's like, get out of here, but tell your, tell your, (laughs) tell our ghost stories, tell your children about us and, you know, don't ever forget us and the eighties will live on. You know, I really loved that. And then I had a great laugh afterwards because she's like, no, get out of here. But then she had that machete and she was like shooing him (laughs) off. Like, you know, like, get out. (laughs) Yeah. Like I shoo, you know, my four-year-old off. I'm like, shoo, 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 out of here, you know, but I don't have a machete obviously, but no, no, but like like, you'd see like an old lady with a broom or something like trying to get her cat out the door. Like, (laughs) Exactly. It's like, shoot, get out of here. But I just happen to have a machete that I'm going to go shop Margaret up with. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's the ghost version of shooing your cat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is the American horror version of shooing you off the property. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like that too. Go on. Go on. Get. Yeah. Just like waving it. Oh gosh. Yeah. Every time I've rewatched it, I still crack (laughs) off like that. And then like we said earlier, when she's like, you know, the rebel yell part. And then she just does the whole, like, oh, like yeah. almost, I almost wondered if she like gave him a little kick too. Like, Oh, hello. Like, <laughs> duh, are you going to come with me? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She had some really good dialogue this season for sure. She has the comedic, like you were saying earlier, the, the comedic timing and Xavier or Cody Fern, he has mm-hmm. it as well. I just think he was so underutilized in the last part of the season. It was disappointing. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Oh, and actually that reminds me of when, speaking of comedic timing, when Bobby is like, you're Trevor so-and-so, you have a really big, and he's like, personality, hey. (laughs) Right. I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Oh my gosh, like, don't even get me started on that when he's like, I got shot in the pecker once, it was not fun. (laughs) I knew, as soon as he said that, I was like, we're going to see that, aren't we? Yeah, I was like, oh, well, now I know. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, yes. Yo, I don't even call that foreshadowing. You just went ahead and told us what Margaret does to you. Oh, yeah. No, that is definitely not foreshadowing. I mean, um, it might be like Ryan Murphy's version of foreshadowing, but... Yeah, yeah. that is not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like those uh, us diehard fans can see right through that, Ryan. Oh, okay, if yeah. you're listening to this. I think by this point, yes, we can. We definitely can. But there's so much we love, too. So it makes yes, up for it. True. Yeah. Yeah. I was really glad he did a season on the 80s. I, I Ugh, think right? that he did it 
fairly well. I mean, you know, all things considered, I I just I thought he did it very well in an homage yes. to that era. And so I appreciate that even if there were plot holes or there were things where that really like kind of picked at me, I thought overall he did a really great tribute to that time period. And it was done just visually and thematically and musically well. I really liked it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I've I started kind of looking at my rankings today for the seasons and some of the criteria that I rank on is just like a personal affection and I think it's going to rank pretty high there because I love that decade. I love stuff that comes from that and I like you're saying I think it was I think he it was like a love letter almost just the way it yeah. was filmed, the music that was used, the kind of themes that they brought in. So in that yeah. respect, it, it was very well done. Agree. Agree. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all my thoughts. How about you? Anything final to say? No. I mean, I think we covered it pretty well. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sad to I'm sad to see another season go. And I know. this um, one felt so quick. I mean, it was only nine episodes, but still. Yeah, it it you know, yeah, and I don't know if it's because the story I don't want to say the story felt basic because it really, it wasn't. It had a lot of elements to it, mm-hmm. but Ryan Murphy or the, the team kept to one storyline really as the baseline. Whereas in other seasons, you, there are a lot of pieces going on at once yeah. to make the story. In this one, I felt like it was pretty, like, cut and dry of what he was doing. And and I think that's why it felt like it was so short, because it kept to the same plot and same theme throughout the whole season. Yeah, very true. Good point. There's, yeah, there's, I mean, this is a show with a lot of moving parts regularly. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right. And so, again, I think that's why when it fades to black, you're like, oh, that's it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then you think, well, it's not like it had that many loose ends to, I guess, really tie up in the end. So, yeah, no, it really, (laughs) it really was. I mean, apart from the fact that it was set in the 80s, it could have just been called like American Horror Story Summer Camp or I don't know, even Camp Redwood or something like that. But, you know. I'm fine with it being yeah. 1984. It definitely was part of what got me so excited for it. So Same. Yeah. Same. All so right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing the show again. Tell people, like, what you're up to. You're doing some other podcasts. Where can they follow you? Yeah. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at MelsBells84. Um, also, I am working on a couple of other podcasts. So um, my co-host and I, Acadia, we are covering – the watch, well, it's not the, we're covering Watchmen on HBO. So we're doing a podcast on that and that is called We Watch the Watchmen. And so you can find that on any of the podcast platforms. Um, we also are two thirds of Strangeful Things. Uh, so that is a podcast about just strange things that happen um, kind of in history or strange things, unsolved you know, murders or unsolved crimes or cryptoids, you know, just little odd things that have happened. Um, or, That's so cool. And are, yeah, or things that are currently, you know, happening as hmm. well. So that is also uh, available on all the podcast platforms. So that was Strangeful Things. 
Um, I do write for Superficial Gallery, and so you can find me over at superficialgallery.com. And, um, yeah, so that is pretty much all that I have on my plate right now. And um, thank you for having me. Yeah, it is. Not gonna <laughs> lie. Thank you for having me on again, though. It's always so much fun with you. Oh yeah, no, I I love this. It was such a good time, and I can't wait to come back for our rankings episode. I think that wow. one's gonna be really fun. Me, I'm so excited about it. I know. I feel like that one runs the risk of being like five hours long, but. (laughs) Well, I know. I'm going to have to really like be regimented. Like I'm going to have to be strict on myself with that one and be like, okay, stick to the main things, Mel's. Okay. Like, uh, you know, yes, this is in this season, but then this isn't. Yeah. So you're right. Like I'm going to have to really like nail these things down and be like, get to the you, you gotta put it in order. It's going to be hard though, because after the end and you know, after this season, I'm like, wow, this really shook up my rankings a lot. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So hmm. we'll, uh, we'll definitely divulge more of that in our rankings. Uh, episode together. So. Yeah, for sure. And listeners, Mel's and I haven't really nailed down a date for when we're going to record that, but just stay tuned to social media and I will let you guys know. Um, maybe even if there's like feedback from people that they want to write in, we can maybe entertain yeah. some of that as well. But we for will sure. be back to do that in a couple of weeks before the end of the year for sure anyways. So look forward to that. All right. Well, thanks again. Yes. Thank you. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Damn Fine TV podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, I really appreciate your patience on, you know, waiting for me to get this episode out. I feel like it was meant to be, though, because this was a great conversation with Mel's and, you know, the stars were aligning for us to have this great conversation today. So if you are enjoying the show, please subscribe, please leave a rating or a review, or even just tell a friend. Word of mouth is awesome to get the word out about the podcast. And until next time, guys, if you're watching TV, make sure it's damn fine TV.